Hey guys, welcome back. This is episode 20 of Real Estate Investing in New York with me, Christina Kremitis. And in this episode, we're gonna be talking about the lowball offer, whether or not you should be submitting the lowball offer and why. So stay tuned, we're covering everything here. Welcome back guys and thank you again for being with me for another episode of Real Estate Investing in New York. Before I start talking about the lowball offer, please remember to like and subscribe. Whether you're watching on the YouTube channel or listening via podcast, please subscribe to my channels. And if you like this content, please don't forget to give it a thumbs up. It really does so much. It's completely free and it helps me get more of this content out to you guys. Don't forget to also follow me on Instagram. My Instagram handle is now christina.cremitas. And of course, as always, you can send me an email with any other questions that you might have. My email address is christina.cremitas at element.com. Jumping in to the lowball offer. A lot of people ask me about placing a lowball offer and especially nowadays when we are in an environment where people think that they are going to be able to get a significant discount off of the asking price of an apartment, we've been talking about the lowball offer so much. So I wanted to bring you my perspective and the answer to how you should go about a lowball offer and whether you should attempt a lowball offer and all the reasons why, and ultimately how to save the maximum amount of money on an apartment purchase without having to submit that initial lowball offer. So to start, the first thing I really wanna to reiterate to you guys is that I'm gonna be sharing a perspective from both the buyer side as well as the seller side. So whether you're listening to this as a potential seller or you're someone who's looking to make a purchase, you'll have the proper information for understanding both sides of the story. But really the most important thing I wanna tell you to start is that you're not going to be leaving any money on the table. So whether or not you start out with the lowball offer will not affect the bottom line that you end up agreeing to with the seller. Intuitively, you might think that the lower you start, the lower you net out, but that is not the case. In fact, you have a much better chance at losing the transaction altogether if you place too low of an initial offer to start. So I'm going to explain the entire rationale now. First, a real estate transaction, remember, I've mentioned this many times, but I want to reiterate that a real estate transaction is very personal and it's very emotional. It's very expensive and that's part of why it's so emotional, but you tend to think that since it's such an expensive purchase that it's really simply a business transaction more than it is an emotional thing. So remembering that to start will also help you to kind of understand the rationale behind the lowball offer because this is a sentimental item for a seller. It's also a sentimental item for a purchaser. So when it comes to devaluing it and placing an initial offer that is much less than the property is worth, you really kind of are testing the patience and the emotions of the seller that put the property on the market. So the first thing to really understand is that a property was placed on the market with a price that was calculated. So typically a seller is going to consult a real estate agent who is a professional in the industry who is going to be listing this apartment for sale. They have consulted together. So the real estate agent and the seller have consulted on a price that they want to list the apartment for. 
Very often a seller wants to list an apartment for even more money and get even more money than might be realistic. And the seller's agent might actually ironically be the one that is pulling that price down a little bit and trying to be more realistic so you do get a lot of traction on the unit. However, long story short, no one's asking for that property price to be lowered. Everyone on the seller side is hoping for the highest possible price. So as a buyer to think that you are going to find this hidden gem that is going to be willing to sell for half of market value is completely irrational. No one is trying to give away their home. Something that's also worth noting, which I also have been explaining to my clients, is that we are currently in an environment during this pandemic time where you can get a discount. You are seeing larger discounts off of asking prices than we've seen in the past. But we're not seeing properties sell for 50% of their asking price at all. We're seeing 20% discounts. Maybe if you're really lucky, a little bit more than that. And that's only in the areas that are really hurting the most. The reason why when it comes to real estate, the discounts have not been as large as people expect given the circumstances is that this is not a housing crisis. No matter what the media wants to tell us to scaremonger people and kind of make things sound so dramatic, the real honest situation as of right now, of course, no one knows how this is going to change for the better or for the worse in the future. But as of right now, the way that this situation and this economy in real estate is different from let's say the housing crisis of 2008 is that people have equity in their homes right now. The housing crisis of 2008 was a housing crisis. And what happened was people were getting approved for mortgages that firstly they couldn't afford, but secondly the price of the mortgage that they were agreeing to on these houses was more money than the house was even worth. And what happened was the housing prices plummeted and people owed to the bank, not only more than they could afford, but literally their mortgage, which is only supposed to be a percentage of your home value, their mortgage was more, was greater than the price of their entire house. That is a housing crisis. The situation we're in right now is a pandemic. So yes, people are hurting financially. And yes, landlords are losing money from tenants that are not paying rent. Yes, that is all happening. But most homeowners right now have equity in their homes. Having equity in your home means that you don't owe more money on your home than what your home is worth. People have a good amount of equity in their homes right now. So maybe they own 40% of their homes, which means their mortgage is only 60% of their home value at the current moment. Someone like that is not as desperate as they would have been in a 2008 housing crisis. Someone like that is not saying, oh my goodness, I have a mortgage valued at 500,000 and my house is now only bringing in at 350. That's a completely different story. So in a housing crisis, someone is gonna be practically giving their house away or declaring bankruptcy. Right now, people are of course still trying to make ends meet, but they're not giving their homes away. So that's just something to know going into it, first off. Now let's talk about getting the most amount of money off because that's always the goal. So if I'm representing you and you're a seller, we're going to be looking to get the highest possible price for the home. If I'm representing you and you are a buyer, we are going to get the biggest discount on this property.
So that said, let's talk about the offer. So I mentioned in episode eight of this series, a little bit more detail on negotiating. And if you haven't listened to that episode, I definitely recommend giving it a listen. However, I'm going to mention the most important part of it here, which is the strategy for placing the initial offer. Let's say you're trying to place an offer on an apartment and you feel that a fair price to pay for the unit is $20,000 less than they're asking. A lot of people may think intuitively that it makes sense to place their initial offer for $40,000 less than the asking price, assuming that you are going to come to an agreement somewhere in the middle. Now, when you're placing an initial offer, of course, you're working with your buyer's agent and your buyer's agent is showing you all of the comparables and everything that's recently sold so that you have an educated reason why you're offering the price that you're offering. So once you determine what you want to net out at, you're going to be able to gauge where you should start. And where you start should be very close to the price that you actually want to come up to and agree on. To the price that you actually want to come up to and agree on. The reason for this is that it shows the seller that you are serious right from the beginning, that you understand and have calculated the value of the property, and that you aren't playing games, which I guess is the same thing as saying that you're serious. And it's much easier to place a fair initial offer, get a seller's attention and preference, and then stick to your guns. It's a way better way to begin a negotiation than starting way too low, not even getting a response from a seller, and then having to start at square one, or receiving a counter offer from a seller that might be still at the asking price, or just a couple of thousand dollars below, and having to come up significantly. You're going to end up in the same place. The seller has an idea in their head of what their bottom line is and their asking price takes that into consideration. Their asking price is not going to be wildly higher than what their bottom line is in most instances because they actually want to sell the property. So when you place a really low ball offer that is below the market value of the apartment significantly, what you do is you actually truly turn the seller off. So firstly, if they are consulting with a real estate agent, their real estate agent is going to inform them that this person probably isn't serious and that the seller should leave the apartment on the market longer and see what other more realistic offers come in before even responding to that purchaser. Now, let's say that you do get a response from the seller. The seller is not going to respond to you and decrease their home value by $50,000 right off the bat because they got an unreasonably low offer from a buyer. It's just not going to work that way. What's going to happen is they're going to respond to you with a counter offer that is at or very close to the asking price. And maybe if they're nice, they'll give you another opportunity to revise your offer and come in at a more reasonable place. So that's just a basic principle that I learned when I took my training to become a certified negotiation expert. That was just one of the things that they explained to us. And it's really very true. So as a note, if you take one thing away from this episode, it's that your initial offer should be close to what you're actually willing to pay for the home. You really don't get anything out of closing your eyes and swinging and just hoping to get lucky and hoping for a seller to give their apartment away to you. So I have an example prepared that might resonate more with a individual consumer that I'm going to share with you. And it was an example that I mentioned on a phone call with a client recently. So I'm working with a client 
who works in technology and my client explained that when his business is looking to make a purchase for whatever they're looking to purchase i don't know if it was hardware software or whatever they communicate with the company selling the product that they need and they place the lowest possible bid for the goods and then they will come up by pretty much a penny until they come to an agreed upon price and the understanding is that they've successfully gotten the lowest physically possible price for that item. And that it would take many rounds of back and forth, of course, as you can imagine, to come to that agreed upon price. I'm gonna give you an example that's going to show how that's not really realistic for a real estate purchase. And as you could imagine, the frustration that would come about trying to go about it that way. Because in this instance, my client did want to try doing that when it came to the real estate offer. So what I explained was this, and I'm going to share it with you. So imagine you're trying to sell an iPhone. So you list it on, let's say, Facebook Marketplace, or wherever you want to sell this iPhone. It's in great condition, you barely used it, or maybe you did use it for a while, but it's still in nearly perfect condition. And you know that the going rate for this model iPhone is $400 maybe because that's the price that Apple was willing to buy it back from you for, or because when you looked at the same iPhone being sold on Facebook Marketplace or wherever you're selling it, that's what people were selling it for. So you list the phone and you list it for $400. So now you have your phone listed for $400 and you're waiting to see who bites. Now a couple of people respond to you. Someone is just trying to see how lucky they can get. So they offer you for this iPhone $200. Obviously, you know that the going rate is $400, so $200 is just crazy. The odds that you are going to eagerly respond back to this random person and accept $200 for them and go on your way is probably really rare. So imagine how you would feel if you communicated back to that person who reached out to you and you told them that you weren't going to accept $200 for the phone and then they come back to you and ask to pay $201. You're probably going to be like, is this person literally serious? Like, do I have time for this? You're not going to feel great about them on a human level. So now let's say you're willing to see if that person would maybe even come up to $300 and you're trying to maybe engage with them but you're getting frustrated and then you turn around and in your inbox is another offer for the phone and someone is asking to pay $350. You're likely going to immediately switch gears, never respond to the first person again, and simply just work with the person offering you $350 for the phone and see if you can maybe get closer to $400 or give it away for $350 at that point. So the purpose of explaining it this way is kind of just to show when you're negotiating with someone, you're getting a glimpse into their personality. If they test your patience and if they do things that you don't think are rational, you're not going to want to engage with this person. The reason why this is even more true in real estate than in anything else is because there is such a long road between coming to an agreement on a price and closing. It takes months. So this buyer has to not only come to an agreement on the price with you, but then secure mortgage get through building approval. If it's a co-op, they have to get a co-op board to like them. There are so many steps that have to happen until you can close with this person. And if it's someone that's trying your patience on day one, there's no chance that you are going to engage in a transaction with them as a seller moving forward. 
So that was kind of the perspective from the seller, but as a buyer, it's very important that you see how the seller is going to feel about you. So the person that offered $200 for the iPhone didn't even get as lucky as to secure the phone for under $400. They actually didn't get the phone at all. And that's what's likely going to happen in a real estate transaction if your offer is too much of a low ball. So if you've gone out and you've checked out 10 properties, let's say, and out of those 10 properties, you've identified one that's your favorite and you think it's gonna work the best and it's the best value for the money, don't think that you're the only one that's come to that conclusion. Yes, we're in a little bit of a challenging market where there is a lot of inventory right now, but out of 10 units that are similar and you were able to identify the best one, you have to realize that there are going to be other buyers that eventually start competing for that property. You don't have all that much time to be placing offers that are so far away from where the seller wants to end up. Another really important reason that would prevent a seller from being able to accept a lowball offer, even if they wanted to, is because if the building is a co-op, a co-op board can and will reject an application for the purchase of a unit that has a price that's too low. Remember that a co-op is a corporation and that corporation's main asset is the building. So for that reason, the co-op is very invested in not having the value of the building decline. So if a seller owns an apartment in a co-op building, the board of that building will not allow that seller to trade the unit for a price that is below the market value or significantly below the market value. It's just not in the best interest of the building. It's not in the best interest of any of the other shareholders because once an apartment trades for a very low price in a building, the comparables in that building are completely thrown off and the future sales in that building will also all be lower because that one was allowed to trade for such a low price. So even if a seller is in a unique bind and is desperate to sell for a very cheap price, which is extraordinarily rare, but even if it was the case, the co-op board wouldn't allow it. And as you guys already know, the majority of the types of properties that are available in New York City are co-ops. So for that reason, right off the bat, the lowball offer is not something that is practiced here. It's just not considered best practice. And in a co-op building, it's totally futile. So a seller and a seller's agent is never going to waste time engaging at that low of a price point, knowing that it could get rejected by the building anyway, and the whole thing would be a waste of time. So with that said, there are just a couple of top line points that I would like to reiterate as I close out this video. The first one is that when you are negotiating, whether you're on the buyer side or on the seller side, you know that the road to closing is a long one and negotiating with someone feels very much like dating them. And if either the seller or the buyer get turned off during the transaction, the chance at that transaction happening for you guys is very, very slim. Each side should be getting their fair respect. And part of that respect is doing the work to understand what the true value of the property is and then negotiating accordingly. Again, you're not going to be overpaying at all for the property because especially if you're working with a real estate agent and you're looking to buy, you've calculated the comps. You've looked at the comparables together. You've seen what the recent closed transactions sold for that were similar to this unit. 
so you know that you're not overpaying. Even if the seller's bottom line is a little bit below those comparables, you'll still place an offer that's below whatever that seller's bottom line is. And that's something that you'll be able to work with your agent to understand really what that number is and then making sure that your offer is low enough that you are going to be coming in for sure below the seller's bottom line no matter what it is. So that's something to remember. You're not leaving any money on the table, but what's always more ideal is to come in with that more fair price that's still low, but just not crazy low, and then stick to your guns. And maybe in the second round of negotiation, you can come up by $5,000. And then from there, that's it. That was your best and final. There are a lot of ways that you can go from there once you've offered a fair initial offer. The emotional aspect of it is so important and you really want to do a good job to show that you're acting in good faith and to show that you're not going to pull any funny business because once they agree to your offer, it's almost like you feel like you got engaged to that person. It's scary to accept a buyer's offer sometimes because you're choosing who you're going to potentially waste the next three months on. Because once you accept an offer, you give that buyer time to sign the contract then you give them time to get their mortgage. And until you know that this is really going to happen and until you get to the closing table, anything can happen and that deal can go down the drain. When you agree to give a purchaser a deal and when you select them and when you accept their offer, you're signing up to spend the next three months with them. So you wanna make sure as a buyer that you're someone that a seller would really wanna spend three months with. It'll also make every aspect of the transaction so much easier. There are countless things that come up during a transaction, countless things that could become issues. And when you have a good relationship between the seller and the buyer, everything becomes much easier to talk through. And things that could become deal killing giant problems are not problems at all when you have good communication and when each side isn't already so fed up with each other. So that wraps it up. You always want to make sure whenever you are in negotiations, whether you are on the purchaser side or you are on the seller side, always ask yourself, am I being honest? Am I being transparent? Am I being genuine? And am I being ethical? Those are things that I find the most important. And it's why I've been able to come to very successful negotiations between my buyers and my sellers. Sometimes the price isn't the only thing that we're going to get movement on. Sometimes it comes down to closing credits. Sometimes it comes down to covering moving expenses. There are literally an endless amount of things that we can use to negotiate on and it gives us the creative flexibility to work out a deal that is truly appealing to both sides because in any successful negotiation, both sides really do need to walk away happy. If you have any more questions on this, please send me an email. My email address is christina.cremitas at element.com. If you would like for me to represent you on your purchase or on your sale, please send me an email or give me a call. I'd be more than happy to help you. I'm never too busy to take on new clients. Finally, guys, don't forget to follow me on Instagram. You'll get a behind the scenes of everything I'm doing throughout the day. And I also run fun giveaways and post a wide variety of content. I started doing giveaways every single Thursday. I'm calling it Thank You Thursday. Every single Thursday, I post an image and all you need to do is comment on it and you are entered to win. I've been giving away my merchandise. I have it on right now and I will show it to you up close, but I've been giving away sweatshirts, matching sweatpants, and I have them in two colorways. 
I also have been giving away hand sanitizers. I've been giving away tote bags. And if you win the Thank You Thursday giveaway, every single week you have an opportunity to win, you get all of my merch. So this is the sweatshirt. It is the most comfortable thing in the world. I love it so much. This is the large size. So it's pretty big. I like it oversized though. And the logo is embroidered. As you can see, the embroidery color is gray on this forest green version. And then the matching sweatpants, which I also have on, are also embroidered at the hip with the same logo. My logo is my initials and underneath the logo, it says New York. So if you guys are listening on the podcast right now, you might wanna check the YouTube or just look at my Instagram because I've been talking about it nonstop on my Instagram, but I realize that I have not showed you guys here on YouTube or on the podcast about it. So that said, you'll want to head over to my Instagram, follow me, and make sure that you comment every Thursday for a chance to win a set. This merchandise is not for sale. I have not listed it for sale. I've simply been giving it away to my clients or family, friends. So you having it is definitely very special. So I really urge you guys to get engaged more with me. I would love to get to know you better. So please follow along and connect with me in more ways than just here. Thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode. I hope you guys have an amazing day and I will see you soon.